get into it here on Saturday, high noon. Thanks, everybody, for checking out the podcast. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter, at BKActual, as I come to you each and every week with the finest in both world and domestic news. And uh, I thought I'd start this week with the fires that are currently turning California into an ash pit yet again. And yes, this is in Redding, California, and firefighters battling this huge wildfire up there. Uh, Redding is in Northern California, in case you didn't know. Uh, Redding seems to be out of the immediate line of danger for now, but three smaller communities were in danger as the flames closed in, and they are doing mandatory evacuations up there as we do this podcast on Saturday. The fire grew by about 35% overnight, to 127 square miles and pushed southwest of Redding, California towards the communities of Ono, Ego, and Gas Point. That's the name of the town, Gas Point. Good name. And this is now the largest of more than 20 fires burning in California right now. Uh, The winds that aided firefighters in keeping the flames from more populated areas were propelling the fire forward at a frightening rate. And Chris Anthony, a spokesman for CAL FIRE, and again, if you don't know, CAL FIRE is the state agency responsible for fighting wildfires. And Anthony said, we are not getting a break with the weather. It just continues to be really hot, really dry, and we continue to get those winds. This fire is getting so big, and there are so many different parts to it. Now, this fire is being referred to as the CAR FIRE, C-A-R-R. And they say it was ignited Monday by a vehicle, somehow, and exploded Thursday night. It jumped the Sacramento River, and then that's when it pushed into Redding, which is about 250 miles north of San Francisco and the largest city in that region. It has about 92,000 residents. Two firefighters, sadly, have been killed. And so far, as of the latest updates, you're looking at about 500 destroyed structures. Uh, As far as the mandatory evacuations, there are uh, 37,000 people under mandatory uh, uh, evacuations. And they say this fire is only about 5% contained. Now, about 120 miles southwest of Redding, two fires prompted mandatory evacuations in Mendocino County. These two fires started Friday. They're burning about 30 miles apart and are threatening more than 350 buildings. Cal Fire officials said that we have more than 10,000 firefighters on the line fighting these fires, and uh, other huge fires continuing going are burning outside Yosemite National Park and in the San Jacinto Mountains east of Los Angeles near Palm Springs. As of Saturday morning today, these fires have burned nearly 160,000 acres and destroyed over 500 structures, just intense, and it's uh, it's like never-ending here with the fire season. And the New York Times had a good article about 
what is happening with some of these fires. And they say since 2012, according to state emergency management officials, there has not been a month without a a wildfire burning. And that is in stark contrast to previous decades when fire officials saw the fall and the winter as their time to plan and kind of regroup and strategize because it just wasn't happening at that time of year. However, we did have that recent historic drought uh, recently in the past couple of years and rising temperatures. It's been very hot out here. And this has heightened an already serious risk for wildfires in the state. And not just for homeowners, but for these firefighters. Because just this month, we've had three firefighters killed on the front lines. Including two that I mentioned previously, who died during that rapidly expanding car fire in Northern California in the last two days. Uh, What else about this fire? Governor Jerry Brown has called this the new normal and set aside more than $440 million in the state budget for emergency wildfires. And this is taking a toll not only on the state, but especially the firefighters. It's brutal. They don't really seem to get too much time off. Now, last year's fires, and I believe, if you go back and listen to some of the podcasts, I uh, believe I did cover last year's fires, particularly when they got pretty bad in quite some detail. Those fires in 2017 were among the most destructive in California's history, and that, that, that caused uh, $12 billion in damage and left 46 people dead, those fires, last year. And one firefighter who has since retired says, quote, this job has gotten twice as busy and twice as violent, end quote. And this is a guy, uh, Mr. Rice, a former firefighter. He's now a union official. He says he was down in Ventura and realized, wow, we have firefighters on the fire line on Christmas Day, obviously, last year. He said in his 30 years, he had never heard of that happening in Christmas. And a lot of this is being blamed on climate change, the old bugaboo. I mean, you know, it stands to kind of reason. If it's hotter, you're going to have more drier, more dry vegetation. Uh, there's people living now where they never used to live before out in the desert where it gets very hot and very dry. And when that happens, you're going to have much more damage. It, since the 1970s, temperatures have risen by two degrees Fahrenheit in the Western United States. So that means these trees and grasses, which are the, what the fuel of these fires are, are far more dry and for longer periods of the year. And this means fire season now lasts three months longer than it used to, starting earlier and often going through the fall. So I'll keep an eye on that one. Luckily, there's no fires here by the beach, but you never know these days. Uh, why don't we get into the story of the VA, the Veterans Administration Hospital, and medical marijuana. Uh, Pretty good story in the New York Times, and they're talking about some of the local growers in Santa Cruz, California, up the coast here. They're actually being like, uh, this is like kind of their community service, I guess, because these local pot growers are now donating part of their crop of high-potency medical marijuana to ailing veterans. And if you're interested... I guess these guys are lining up each month in outside the city of Santa Cruz's old Veterans Hall 
to get a ticket that they can exchange for a free bag of weed. That's great. And this monthly giveaway often contain marijuana lotions, pills, candies, and hemp oils, as well as potent strange of smokable flower buds with names like Combat Cookies and Kosher Kush. Very good. But marijuana being what it is, the veterans do not get any medical guidance on which product might help with which ailment, how much to use, or how marijuana might interact with other medications. Now, ordinarily, their first stop for any medical advice like that would be the VA, the Department of Veterans Affairs. But as I have covered quite extensively here on this podcast, the VA has thus far refused to make medical marijuana available to veterans, even in those states where it's legal. They've said no, and they've cited federal law for doing that. Now, I'm uh, just going off memory here. I don't have it in front of me, but I want to say that it's been introduced a few times for the VA. A bill has been introduced in Congress a few times for the VA to start okaying medical marijuana, but it, I don't think it's even made it out of committee every time. And again, if you go back and listen to what I've said, this is a no-brainer to me. Uh, the federal decriminalization of marijuana is would be an easy win for a beleaguered Trump administration. And if they would have taken my freaking advice... The night after Election Day, it would have already happened. So the VA will not recommend cannabis products for patients, and for the most part, it has even declined to study their potential benefits. Now, there are at least 30 states that now have laws that allow the use of medical marijuana in some form. And the VA is not, it's pretty much out of step with all of its Patients, because a department survey suggests that nearly a million veterans may be using medical marijuana anyway. But doctors in the VA say the department's lack of research has left them without much good advice to give veterans. Uh, oh, they okay, so they have studied a little bit. According to Marcel Bon Miller, a psychologist who has worked for years at the VA in Palo Alto, California, and also teaches at the University of Pennsylvania Medical School, he said the VA has funded lots of marijuana studies, but not of therapeutic potential. All the work has been related to problems of use. Hmm. And he claims, Mr. Bon Miller, that in 2016 he wanted to study the health outcomes of veterans who were getting cannabis from the Santa Cruz Veterans Alliance, but he did not seek funding from Veterans Affairs because of the department's lack of interest in therapeutic use. Oh, here we go. I predicted this. Here, Speaking of Congress, Congress is now considering changing that. A bipartisan bill introduced in the House of Representatives this spring would order the department to study the safety and efficacy of marijuana for treating chronic pain and PTSD. If the bill passes, the department could not only develop expertise about a drug that many veterans have turned to on their own, it may also start down the road toward eventually allowing its doctors and clinics to prescribe cannabis. Yeah, you know, that fucking kills me, man. The VA has zero compunction or self-doubt about fucking handing out Oxycontins like they're fucking like their daily vitamins. They they don't care about handing those out to everybody who's like, yeah, my knee hurts. 
but they're just so fucking dead set against the medical marijuana thing. It just doesn't make any sense to me at all. Now, the guy who introduced that particular bill, it was a bipartisan bill, introduced by Representative Tim Waltz, a Democrat of Minnesota, and Phil Rowe, who is a Republican out of Tennessee, and Phil Rowe is also a physician. Um, now, a spokesman for the VA said that Congress would need to do more than just pass that bill. They said that because cannabis is still classified as a Schedule One drug under federal law, putting it right up there with heroin, researchers would need to secure approval from five separate agencies to conduct studies. This is fucking ridiculous. But Kurt Cashore, that spokesman for the VA, did say, like, look, we just can't do it. You have to, because of the laws we were working with, you have to get approval from all these different agencies. And if you want to do more research on it, well, you can choose to eliminate the restrictions on marijuana as a Schedule One drug, and that's what they'd have to do. Now, the department does have two small studies that are in their early stages, and one of them is coming right here in San Diego. That particular study looks at whether cannabidiol, a non-intoxicating component of cannabis, can help patients during PTSD therapy. It is scheduled to continue until 2023. <laughs> that, this, that's how long you need a, that's how long you need to study whether weed makes guys with PTSD feel better. Five fucking more years. I'm not a researcher. That seems excessively fucking long to me, but what do I know? The other study that is being planned right now for South Carolina would examine the palliative effects of cannabis in hospice patients. So you're dying and basically you just want to sit around and smoke weed until you pass on. I mean, what's the harm, right? Why do we need a study for this? Hmm. Now, Dr. David Shulkin recently fired head of the VA. That was President Trump's first secretary of the VA, recall. He did ease some rules. He allowed the department's doctors to start talking to veterans about medical marijuana, but many veterans did fault him for not going any further than that. Now, Shulkin had said that the tangle of red tape surrounding Schedule One drug studies should no longer be an excuse not to conduct them. As he said at the time, we have an opioid crisis, a mental health crisis, and we have limited options on how to address them, so we should be looking at everything possible. Absolutely. Now, one of the advocates in here is uh, the name in this article is uh, Nick Etten. He is an Annapolis graduate and a former Navy SEAL who runs an advocacy group called the Veterans Cannabis Project. And he says cannabis is a safe, responsible choice. It helps with the big three we struggle with after combat, pain, sleep, and anxiety, and is safer than many medications. And as I stated, they are not waiting for permission. A department survey found in, uh, in 2017 found that nearly 9% of veterans reported using cannabis in the last year. <laughs> Only 9%, huh? Yeah, I think it's probably triple that, at least. Now, you should use caution if you're on a bunch of other medications. I'm not saying go out and fucking go down to the Urban Leaf store here in San Diego. That's our local uh, free, uh, that's our local um, 
uh, available legal medical marijuana. Not even medical. I'm sorry. It's, I misspoke. See, I'm still not even fucking used to this shit. It's legal, period, for you in California to consume marijuana. So I'm not telling you to rush down there and get all your uh, tinctures and oils and pastes and flour because cannabis can interact with some prescription medications. So you have to be careful. If you are, all, if you are on already a bunch of different meds, seek you know, doctor's opinion before going any further on that. And you know what? I've said it before and I'll say it again. Frequent use of cannabis absolutely does lead to dependency. And it does turn you into a big lazy fuck. It fucking absolutely does. And I say this as a staunch advocate of medical marijuana. I smoke weed way more than I drink. But no doubt. And for children, it's, it, I, I feel it's uh, very destructive. Because it just gives you a lifetime of being a lazy fuck. And that's uh, definitely true. So, again, I, I, th I think the VA needs to get on it. I don't think we need five fucking year studies to go ahead and allow its use. Especially if a guy who's had problems and you've hooked him up on all kinds of different opioid drugs says, Hey, you know what? This weed is fucking helping me. I don't need these opioids anymore. Then, then what's the, how is that even debatable? Let's fucking get on it. Now, more in international news. The remains of 55 U.S. war dead in North Korea have come home after 65 years. Yes, this is 55 American servicemen were flown out of North Korea on Friday yesterday. The first visible effort, um, the first visible result, I should say, of President Trump's effort to bring the American war dead home 65 years after the end of combat in the Korean War. An American Air Force C-17 Globemaster cargo plane carrying the remains landed later at Osan Air Base south of Seoul, the South Korean capital. Hundreds of American service members, as well as a military honor guard, lined up on the tarmac to return the fallen troops. As the honor guard and the troops stood at attention, 55 small coffins containing the remains were individually carried out of the plane by dress-uniformed soldiers and loaded into six vans. Each of the boxes was wrapped with the United, State, uh, United Nations flag, which was the flag that American troops fought under in the Korean War. You know, I didn't even know that. Now, from that base, these remains will be transferred to the Hawaii Base Defense POW slash MIA Accounting Agency, where they will conduct that painstaking forensic work to identify the remains. In the past, this has happened in the past, uh, and remains that were returned in the past from North Korea were found to be mixed with those of identified in, unidentified individuals and even with animal bones. I mean, you can imagine the challenge in this, 65 years in the ground. Uh, Donald Trump tweeted out his thanks to Kim Jong-un, North Korea's leader, of course. Trump said, quote, the remains of American servicemen will soon be leaving North Korea and headed to the United States. After so many years, this will be a great moment for so many families. Thank you to Kim Jong-un. Now, the Korean War was halted with an armistice signed 65 years ago, as of yesterday. 
But thousands of American troops killed in major battles in North Korea have not been returned because the war was never formally concluded with a peace treaty. And, the, and North Korea and the United States have lacked diplomatic ties to get anything done. These remains that were flown out on Friday were the first handed over since a joint effort by American military experts and North Korean workers between 1996 and 2005. At that time, that group had collected the remains of what were believed to have been 220 American soldiers. But since then, the Pentagon's efforts to bring the American war dead home have been overshadowed by tensions over North Korea's nuclear weapons program. And we've been busy sending Secretary of State Mike Pompeo over to North Korea where he visited Pyongyang, the North Korean capital, earlier this month to urge North Korea to go forward with Mr. Kim's commitments that he made during that summit. Again, something I covered in detail. Now, they have yet to agree on a detailed roadmap on how to achieve what both Kim and Trump identified as their common goal, which is the complete denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. But, you know what? This is something. So, I know, I get it, a lot of you hate Trump. But it's something. I mean, fucking Obama never got this. So credit where it's due. Uh, I'm glad that our soldiers are coming home. Everybody comes home. That's the fucking overarching mission that gets beat in your head from day one of the U.S. military service. No matter what, you try to bring everyone home at all costs. So, if it takes 65 years, so be it. They're still coming home. It's a good thing. All right, we have some men behaving badly. <laughs> yeah, you guys know I love these stories. Well, we got a, they netted a big one on this. Ronan Farrow, the same journalist who, of course, just annihilated Harvey Weinstein with his New Yorker expose. He did another one. And this is about CBS Corporation chairman Leslie Moonvis. And he has long been one of the most powerful media executives in America. Uh, as that chairman, he oversaw shows ranging from, I should say he oversees, he's still employed. He oversees shows ranging from 60 Minutes to The Big Bang Theory. And he is 68 years old, and he has become, in recent months, a prominent voice in Hollywood's hashtag MeToo movement. In December, he helped found the Commission on Eliminating Sexual Harassment and Advancing Equality in the Workplace, which is chaired by Anita Hill. Anita Hill, there's a name from the past. It's a watershed moment, Moonvis said at a conference in November. I think it's important that a company's culture will not allow for this. However, Moonves seems to have his own little bit of history. Six women who had professed, uh, who had said they had professional dealings with him, told Ronan Farrow that between the 1980s and the late aughts, Moonves sexually harassed them. Four described forcible touching or kisses during business meetings in what they said appeared to be a practiced routine. Two of the women told Pharaoh that Moonvis physically intimidated them or threatened to derail their careers. All of them said that he became cold or hostile after they rejected his advances and that they believed their careers suffered as a result. 
an actress and writer named Ileana Douglas told Pharaoh, what happened to me was a sexual assault, and then I was fired for not participating. And another woman, a writer named Janet Jones, says that he has gotten away with this for decades, and it's just not okay. She alleges that he, she had to shove him off of her after he forcibly kissed her at a work meeting. <laughs> oh. oh, man. How much longer are they going to fucking dig this shit up? I mean, it's just from the 80s? <sighs> well, it's never, it's never okay at work, dude. It isn't. But now they're going to fucking basically try to get a guy fired because he made a move on a chick um, 30 years ago. Well, that's the time we live in now. Pharaoh says in his article at the New Yorker, so you should go read that, he says 30 current and former employees of CBS told me, told him, that such behavior extended from Moonvis to important parts of CBS Corporation, including CBS News and 60 Minutes. And during his tenure, men at CBS News who were accused of sexual misconduct were promoted, even as the company paid settlements to women with complaints. And you guys remember, as I covered on the podcast, some of those allegations such as those against former anchor Charlie Rose are already known, and other claims are being reported in this New Yorker column for the first time. 19 current and former employees told me that Jeff Fager, the former chairman of CBS News and the current executive producer of 60 Minutes, allowed harassment in the division. Uh, now... Moonves is defending himself, and according to CBS, there have been no misconduct claims and no settlements against Moonves during his 24 years at the network. Yeah, you know that's what I'm saying. It's one more time. I mean, this is you. You didn't say anything at the time. Now, whether or not, yes, you can say you feared for your career. I get it, but the fact is, you got to leave a paper trail. Uh, there's no, I, I, I don't know. I can't, I'm just really doubting that this guy is going to be fired. He oversaw a tremendous turnaround for the CBS network. So it remains to be seen. But so far, they've stuck by this guy. And I think, again, the lack of a paper trail, the fact that most of this stuff was a long time ago, I think they're probably just going to drag it out, apologize, and hope to move on. Now, another guy, who's in a little bit of trouble, is a... <laughs> so what does this guy do? It's hard to even tell. He is named Mel Watt, and he is the powerful regulator of mortgage giants Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Well, he is being investigated for alleged sexual harassment of an employee. A staffer at the Federal Housing Finance Agency accused him, uh, his title, by the way, he is the director of the Federal Housing Finance Agency. That's who does regulate Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. So a staffer accused him of repeatedly making inappropriate sexual advances when she tried to discuss career and salary concerns. The conversations included a 2016 meeting in which Watt steered the discussion to his feelings for the woman according to documents and partial transcript of tapes 
obtained by Politico. Oh, so they got some tapes, huh? In one encounter, Watt asked about a tattoo on the woman's ankle, saying, if I kissed that one, would it lead to more? <laughs> they are not naming the employee. The employee has filed an equal opportunity employment complaint. Watt is a former Democratic congressman from North Carolina. He was appointed by President Barack Obama in 2014 to lead the independent agency as and is in the final month of his five-year term. Uh, in a transcript, a person identified as Watt arranged for the two to meet outside the office because of perceptions. So the conversation took place, presumably she taped it, because I'm sure he, she'd, he'd probably said stuff to her many times. And Watt said, quote, Well, you probably want to know what I wanted to talk to you about. I mentioned to you that there is an attraction here that I think needs to be explored. In my experience, there are four types of attraction. Emotional, spiritual, sexual, or friendship. So the exercise here is to find out which one exists here. <laughs> Oh, okay, so you there? Okay, you got. The, I didn't know that there are four. I the four. You guys, did you guys write that down? Four types of attraction. That's a good line. So you basically say, look, sweetheart, there's four types of attraction here, and it's up to you and me to fucking find out uh, what's going on in my pants, like right now, like this is happening. Jeez, they're everywhere. I don't know why you'd even talk to a woman like this at all. Oh, this was funny. So I, I just saw this like right, but literally minutes before I started recording. I have not heard the whole thing. But apparently, uh, Sean Spicer, this happened last night. And Sean Spicer, former White House press secretary, of course, had a book signing in, uh, where is this? This is at Barnes and Noble. And Sean Spicer was in there at a book signing. And uh, in Rhode Island, of course, times being what we are, there were protests outside and inside he, Spicer was confronted by some guy who claims like he went to high school with him and uh, maybe had used some objectionable language on b back in high school. So let me see what this sounds like. And as as the as it opens up. Spicer's sitting at a desk. There's all these people lined up, you know, waiting, a bunch of old people. And they're all waiting to get Spicer's book signing. And here we go. Okay, so I know the, the, the audio is not great, but I'm sure you could kind of hear. So basically, he's, he claims Sean Spicer in high school called him an N-word and, uh, and then tried to fight him. So uh, this is never going to end anymore, is it? This is going to be like the way it is all the time. Wow. Don't worry, I've got plenty of other great audio coming up. Uh, we had a uh, shootout 
in the Los Angeles area. You guys probably saw this. This is the Trader Joe's incident. And this is uh this is really shitty, especially if you're a cop, because uh a the bullet that killed a Trader Joe's store manager earlier this week in exchange of gunfire with a homicide suspect. The LAPD is saying that round was fired by a Los Angeles Police Department officer. That's very sad. LAPD Chief Michael Moore, he's the new LAPD chief, by the way. I think he's only been on a job a couple months. He said the round was fired by one of the two officers as the gunman, who was struck by a round in a left arm, ran into the store and then opened fire on police. After the pursuit driver crashed into a light pole, people inside the Trader Joe's approached the front windows. That's when 27-year-old manager Melida, M-E-L-Y-D-A, Melita Corrado was accidentally struck by LAPD gunfire as she tried to leave the building. She went back into the store and collapsed. Very, very horrible. The officers fired a total of eight rounds. And it's just a tough deal. And, you know, I, and I, I saw a lot of people after the fact blaming the cops. And it's fucked up, dude. I mean, because you're dealing with a guy, this fucking dude, Gene Atkins, 28 years old. This was a very extremely dangerous person. Atkins allegedly shot his grandmother like seven times and wounded another woman before he ran. He crashed his car and ran into the supermarket while he was firing at cops. And then he held dozens of people hostage inside. And because people, you know what, she's uh, his grandmother. She's in critical condition. Tough old lady, man. She's still she's still alive. Now, officers, when he left, they, the, the cops tracked the car because the car was equipped with LoJack, that stolen vehicle tracking system. And they tried to stop him in Hollywood, but he refused to pull over. So then he starts shooting at the cops through the car's rear window. And then he runs into the Trader Joe's. So now the cops are faced with this dilemma. Like in this day and age we live in, you can't just fuck. You've got a guy who's shot his own grandmother a bunch of times and then shot at you, the cops. And now he's ran into a crowded supermarket. You can't, I mean, you can't just wait there. What if he starts fucking executing people at that point? You know, it's just a tough deal because you can second guess the cops all day long. It's a no-win situation. Because you know what? You, you, you wait him out. And then you're inevitably you're going to get the case where the guy you're waiting out decides to fucking take as many people with him inside the store as he can. And now you're going to be blamed for letting like, you know, 10 people get fucking executed. That'll be the next time. So what do you do? I mean, you know, you got to it's tough. You know, you got to watch your rounds, but you know, it's not reality to expect cops with handguns in a chase to be super accurate, you know, especially at like distances 25, 30, 30 meters. It's just not. So tough, tough, uh, tough break up there. And you don't know, man. Hey, if a hint for you, if you fucking hear gunfire, hit the fucking deck, dude. Don't stand up and go to the window to see what's going on. Hit the fucking deck. Get down. So it's very sad. Let's turn to Afghanistan. The fucking America's fucking botched coat hanger abortion. 
uh, in Kandahar, in a reversal of a long-standing policy, American diplomats held face-to-face -face talks with Taliban representatives in Qatar a week ago without Afghan government officials present, said two senior Taliban officials. Now, the State Department did not immediately respond to this claim on Saturday today, but the department has not denied that its diplomats had taken part in such talks. This is a significant shift in American strategy towards the Taliban in Afghanistan. The talks allegedly took place in Doha, where the Taliban have long maintained an informal political office for the purpose of restarting the long-dormant peace process. These talks involved several members of the Taliban Political Commission and Alice Wells, who is the State Department's senior South Asia diplomat, as well as other unidentified American diplomats, according to the two Taliban officials, who spoke on condition of anonymity. Uh, now, the New York Times had reported on July 15th that such talks were expected after the Trump administration told its top diplomats they were allowed to begin direct negotiations with the Taliban. The insurgents have always demanded negotiations with the Americans as a precondition to any peace talks as long as the American military was still in Afghanistan. But the United States officials have taken pains to insist that such talks would not mean the abandonment of what has been a long-standing policy that any peace process would be led by the Afghans themselves. Yeah, I wonder how much fucking longer we're going to play pretend with that. You know, the whole like, oh, no, no, Afghans leading the way. The Afghan army's leading the way. How much longer are we going to play pretend? I mean, let's stop. Either let them fucking do it and leave or or just, I don't know, make the place the 51st state. That's all you can do. There's no fucking in-between. <laughs> so aggravating. 17 years, dude. For fucking what? How many fucking trillions of dollars if you think we've fucking pissed away in Afghanistan? And it's worse now than it was in 01. That's the thing that fucking blows my mind. Remember I did that story not too long ago where it said that the Taliban now control more territory than they did in 01. So what the fuck have we been doing this whole time? Ugh. Now, another interesting... I'm not going to read this whole thing because it's, it's so fascinating, but the New York Times did have a great story, speaking of Afghanistan, that after more than a year in exile, a guy named General Abdul Rashid Dostum returned to his native Afghanistan on Sunday, facing criminal charges of rape and kidnapping, as well as accusations of brutality, human rights abuses, and killing his first wife. The twist? This guy, General Dostum, remains the country's first vice president. And waiting to greet him on Sunday at Kabul's International Airport, this is last Sunday, was a government delegation and a suicide bomber. Uh, so this guy negotiated, despite the criminal charges against him, to get safe passage to his office and home in a deal that they said the president, Ashraf Ghani, negotiated personally. Moments after he left the airport, a suicide bomber detonated explosives at the traffic circle at the exit, killing 20 people including nine members of the security detail assigned to General Dostum and wounding 90 others. It must have been a freaking big boom, man. 
Uh, now, the government insists that the criminal charges against him remain active, even though they date from November 2016 and have resulted in no arrests. Just to give you a taste of what some of these charges are, General Dostum and nine of his bodyguards are accused of abducting a political opponent named Ahmad Ishi and beating and raping him repeatedly. Oh, dude, what the fucking... Now, um, basically, he has been kind of this guy who's blown with the wind. He's an Uzbek leader, right? Now, he used to be a former communist enforcer when the Russians were in charge, and then he turned warlord, who at one time or another was allied with every side in Afghanistan's long war, including the Taliban. He's being accused of war crimes, including allowing his men to suffocate thousands of Taliban prisoners in locked truck containers. And... Most notably, perhaps, he is a protege of the Central Intelligence Agency, which mentored and armed him. He has proved a powerful political player in Afghan elections in recent years, able to deliver his small but united Uzbek minority as a 4 million strong voting bloc, and this has given him tremendous influence. And that voting bloc prompted the president, Mr. Ghani, to take him on as his running mate in 2014, despite having previously called him a known killer. Uh, after, dude, this, guy, this guy is fucking out of control. After the election, when he became the, the vice president, he would still be seen at times leading his private militia into battle riding in his personal Humvee with two dwarf bodyguards on the hood and engaging in drinking bouts in a country where alcohol is outlawed. And he is widely accused of continuing to use rape to subject his enemies and occasionally his allies. Jeez. Yeah, go read the whole thing, man. Uh, here's just a, a quick anecdote with this. Uh, so one of his personal chauffeurs to General Dostum, a guy named Saleh Mohammed Faizi, was interviewed by the New York Times in Austria, where he was given asylum. And he said he fell out with the general when he refused to marry the general's girlfriend, who he described as a 15-year-old girl, in order to provide a discreet means for the general to see the girl. You guys tracking on that? Because the general already had two wives and they would not consent to his taking a third wife. So the general tells his chauffeur, hey, fucking marry this little girl, and that way I'll have a pretense to see her all the time. So when Faizi refused, General Dostum, with the help of his bodyguards, repeatedly raped and tortured Mr. Faizi over a period of several days, eventually chaining him by his lip to the inside wall of a truck container. God. Faizi also accused, accused Dostum of killing his first wife and of numerous rapes of political opponents as well as underage boys and girls. Jeez. Go read the whole thing. New York Times has a great story on it. Boy, that just tells you what a dirty business the intelligence game is, isn't it? I think about that all the time. You know, and I saw a little bit 
just with my own two eyes of people being forced to meet with just terrible people. And, you know, you got to gotta kind of put personal feelings aside, but still, this seems a little bit much. What else do I have? International news. How about this one? Of course, Russia has been in the news quite a bit lately. Well, the update on Russian hackers, they are appearing to shift their focus to the U.S. power grid. And Washington is saying that state-sponsored Russian hackers appear far more interested this year in demonstrating that they can disrupt the American electric utility grid rather than midterm elections. And this is according to U.S. intelligence officials and tech company executives. Now, despite attempts to infiltrate the online accounts of two Senate Democrats up for re-election, intelligence officials said they have seen little activity by Russian military hackers aimed at either major American political figures or state voter registration systems. However, according to these officials, there is surprisingly far more effort directed at implanting malware in the electrical grid. This week, the Department of Homeland Security reported that over the last year, Russia's military intelligence agency had infiltrated the control rooms of power plants across the United States. In theory, that could enable it to take control of parts of that grid by remote. While the department cited hundreds of victims of the attacks, far more than they had previously acknowledged, there is no evidence that the hackers tried to take over the plants as Russian actors did in Ukraine in 20, 2015 and 2016. Uh, in interviews, American intelligence officials said the department had understated the scope of the threat. So far, the White House has said little about this. It is possible, they write, that Russian hackers are holding their fire until closer to Election Day in November. And uh, those two, I was, I was just thinking to myself, I wonder who those two uh, Democrats were. Microsoft announced at a security conference last week that it stopped an attack last fall aimed at congressional staff offices. While the company did not identify who was targeted, Senator Claire McCaskill from Missouri said on Thursday night that her office had been struck in what she called an unsuccessful attack. Hmm. I wonder if this is like direct hacking or if this is just another phishing thing. Like they send one of those stupid emails. You know, like they got uh, Dumbo John Podesta. Hmm. But they said they're not seeing the same level of activity in the midterms that they saw two years ago, but we'll see what happens. Well, you know, like it's impossible to stop what happened in 2016. It is. It's fucking impossible. You can't stop somebody from making an account and then making memes or buying a Facebook ad. It's almost impossible. Oh, yeah, one of my fucking favorite stories. Pope Francis has accepted the resignation of Cardinal Theodore McCarrick, the former Archbishop of Washington from the College of Cardinals, ordering him to a life of prayer and penance after allegations that the cardinal sexually abused minors and adult seminarians over the course of decades. The Vatican announced today. This dude. Remember, remember when I said, as somebody who grew up Catholic, my mom being Irish Catholic, 
Remember I said I just wonder if this was fucking all it is for the thousands of years? Maybe it was, Maybe this wasn't all the Catholic Church was, you know, when it very first started. But maybe like a hundred years after it started, it just turned into like this old guys trying to diddle little boys. That's the feeling I get now, is that it's that's all it's been for hundreds and hundreds of years. Is a fucking like a sheltered fucking way for old men to get their rocks off by touching little boys. It fucking disgusts me, dude. Now, the Pope officially suspended the Cardinal from the exercise of any public ministry after receiving his resignation letter Friday evening. Now, he appears to be the first Cardinal in history to step down from the College of Cardinals because of sexual abuse allegations. While he remains a priest, technically, pending the outcome of a Vatican trial, he has been stripped of his highest honor and will no longer be called upon to advise the Pope and travel on his behalf. He was first removed in June 20th after a church panel substantiated allegations that he had sexually abused a teenage altar boy 47 years ago while serving as a priest in New York. Merrick uh, said in a statement at the time that he was innocent. Yeah, right. And then, just like fucking clockwork, we get to all the cover-ups. Subsequent interviews revealed that some in the church hierarchy had known for decades about accusations that he had preyed on men who wanted to become priests, sexually harassing and touching them. A 60-year-old man at the time alleged that Cardinal McCarrick, a close family friend, had begun to abuse him in 1969 when he was 11 years old and that the abuse had lasted nearly two decades. The Times, the New York Times investigation, detailed settlements amounting to tens of thousands of dollars in 2005 and 2007 paid to men who had complained of abuse by Cardinal McCarrick when he was a bishop in New Jersey in the 1980s and a rising star in the Roman Catholic Church. Fucking sickening, dude. Now, resignations from the College of Cardinals are extremely rare for any reason. The last resignation from that College of Cardinals was a French guy named Louis Bilot in 1927, and that was because of political tensions with the Pope. Now, there was another guy who waived his rights as a cardinal at 2013. His name was Keith Patrick O'Brien. He was the former Archbishop of St. Andrews and Edinburgh. And he waived those rights as a cardinal after accusations emerged of inappropriate sexual behavior with junior clergy. But he remained in the College of Cardinals until he died this year. Dude, you know what I always fucking think about is all the time... If it's this, if it was this bad in America, and you know, you can go back and you know, read, read the 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 Los Angeles Archdiocese was a huge scandal too. That was Cardinal Mahoney, and he was big in politics. and And did you see his shtick? Now he's still around, Cardinal Mahoney. He's faced no punishment. He basically covered up child rapists for years and years and years, and he still got all his power. And you know what his shtick is now? Cardinal Mahoney is talking about the illegal aliens. And the media fucking loves him now because he sticks up for them. Never mind that he fucking covered up the rape and abuse of children for many decades. He says all the right things now 
on illegal immigrants. So the media rushes to him for a quote. I swear, if there was any justice for the world, he'd be shunned wherever he went. This is just fucking so sickening to me. And as bad as it was in America, imagine how bad it was, or still is probably, in Latin America, South America. I think about that all the time. Because unlike here where, you know, the Catholic Church has been, the, the power it holds over the public uh, has dropped precipitously in recent decades. As you know, secularization increases, lots of different reasons for that. But the priesthood in Latin America, South America is still, you know, very prestigious. And I just wonder when that reckoning is going to come due. You guys know what I mean? When, when are they going to go back and see all the damage that they've done down in those. I bet it's going to, they're going to find, they're going to find thousands and thousands of priests who fucking touched little boys down there. It's disturbing. Again, I ask, is that all it ever fucking was? You know, you feel like an idiot. Uh, I don't know. Oh, this fucking guy. <laughs> Let's lighten the mood a little bit with this moron. Uh, Georgia state lawmaker Jason Spencer has resigned after he was lured into exposing his buttocks and shouting racial slurs on Sasha Baron Cohen's new Showtime series, Who is America? Yes, I will play the video in a minute, but this was funny. Uh, in a letter to Georgia House Speaker David Ralston, who called on him to resign, he did resign. Because Ralston said, you disgraced yourself and should resign immediately. And frankly, this guy's too fucking stupid to be in office. And I, I did think this was funny because Jack Murphy from SoftRep and I have actually joked quite a bit about, about, what's, about what Cohen tries to do here. Because here's the shtick in the video. Sasha Baron Cohen pretends to play an Israeli military expert who is making a video about how to mount a personal defense against potential terrorists, right? And we have joked many times, because you can go on YouTube and see all these stupid, like, Israeli defense expert pistol work and stuff like that. And we, we've always joked about how you could fucking pretty much do anything and call yourself an Israeli defense expert and everybody will treat it like it's fucking gospel. And that's what happened here. So, let me just fucking pull this up. So, I'm going to hear, you're going to hear, here, here's what he says. So, what Sasha Baron Cohen said is basically like, look, if you're being attacked, you have to shout out the worst word in the world. And we know what that is in America, don't we? <laughs> yes, we do. Uh, so, let's hear how this fucking idiot sounds. And here's uh, Jason Spencer and Sasha Baron Cohen. The victim of kidnapping by ISIS. You have two seconds to attract attention. How do you attract attention? Ready to start screaming? Take your clothes off? In America, there is one forbidden world. It is the N-world. Now, I am going to be the terrorist. You have three seconds to attract attention. Go! Nigger! 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 Are you crazy? The end world is noony. Not this world. This world is disgusting. Got it. <laughs> what are you fucking thinking? What an idiot. Oh my dude, thank Georgia, you're way better off without this fucking clown. That's for sure. 
Oh God, I I I I can't, you guys. I can't. How much time? I, I still I'm I'm only an hour into this shit, and I'm already fucking over it. Uh, let's do some business news. That always makes me feel better. Uh, first of all, we had the big story about the uh, trade war being averted, and yes, Trump and the European Union agreed to work on lowering tariffs and averting a potential trade war. Uh, Trump said on Wednesday at a joint press conference in the White House Rose Garden with European Commission President Jean-Claude Juncker that they worked together towards zero tariffs, zero non-tariff barriers, and zero subsidies for the non-auto industrial goods. Uh, he did not address whether the two had reached an agreement on car tariffs, but they are looking at a number of areas that would include zero tariffs, and those are like industrial goods and further cooperation on energy issues. Trump's been pushing that hard, trying to get the EU to buy more of our more of our oil, more of our oil. Now. A deal not to impose further tariffs while negotiations are underway would avert a trade war between the United States and Europe, and it would represent a victory for the European Union, which had been bracing for new automobile tariffs as high as 25%. So, uh, they said that this would make the trade war not happen, and the Dow Jones Industrial Average and the S&P rallied on Wednesday afternoon on early reports of these trade agreements. The Dow popped more than half a percent to a session high on Wednesday afternoon. And the agreement surprised policy experts in Washington and Brussels, many of whom had been closely monitoring Trump's escalating rhetoric on trade. They, they still don't fucking get this guy, do they? They still don't fucking get it. They, like, it's, like these, it's like these people have never heard of good cop, bad cop. They've never read The Art of the Deal. They've never done a negotiation before in their fucking lives, which makes sense because that's apparently why they're writing about it instead of doing about it. How is it that I fucking see what he's doing and these people can't? Because on Tuesday, Trump wrote a tweet that appeared to dismiss the possibility before meetings had even begun. <laughs> and so then everybody says, oh, well, look, he's, he's tweeting about it. That means it's not going to happen. Do they not understand that this is like a fucking, you lower the boom and then you back off of it to get what you want? Is it, this isn't fucking complicated. Just like the illegal immigration debate where you ask for everything under the sun and then you settle for half of what you asked for. I can't take it anymore. They act all surprised on this. Mm. Now, in more uh, economic news, a couple of the social media companies were in the news, and not for good reason. Twitter has seen its stock fucking get wiped out. Because in its second quarter earnings report, the company announced it had $355 million uh, monthly active users, down 1 million from the first quarter of this year. Twitter shares dropped 20.5% over that news. That wiped out $6.6 billion off its market cap. And 
They're saying this comes at a time when Twitter is working to purge fake accounts and is facing scrutiny over a recent security breach, as well as the shadow banning, quote, end quote, of prominent conservatives. Jack Dorsey, the company's CEO, said in a news release that the quarter's results show how the company is investing in the long-term health of Twitter. And they are cleaning up a lot of monthly active users that are not good or real. Um... Even with the recent drop, Twitter is saying that its daily active users had grown 11% in a year. But other analysts saw the drop in users as a reflection of bigger issues. Uh, one guy who's an analyst wrote in a note and said, We simply don't see the product improvements having a dramatic impact on Twitter's ability to attract new users. And the miss on user numbers raises uncertainty about its momentum and calls into question engagement on the platform and sustainability of sales acceleration as the company attempts to remove fake accounts. Now, they did have a little bit of good news. The company's revenue for the second quarter was $711 million, beating Wall Street expectations of $697 million. Over the past year, the company's shares have increased 42.7%. But I, I just don't see, I don't know how they make any money. Now, I can at least see Facebook makes money. But they lost a, a, a shit ton when they took a huge hit. The social media company Facebook suffered the biggest one-day wipeout in U.S. stock market history a day after executives forecast years of lower profit margins. At least 16 different brokerages cut their price targets on Facebook after Chief Financial Officer David Wengner startled an otherwise routine call with analysts by saying the company faced a multi-year squeeze on its business margins. This has a lot to do with all the privacy and all that shit that we've kind of chronicled here over the years with Facebook. Shares closed down almost 19% at $176.26, wiping more than $120 billion off the company's value. That is nearly four times the entire market cap of Twitter, by the way. Wow. That's a quite, you know, I thought about getting in there on the big, uh, the big dive down. I like doing that when a company like hits the deck like big time. I'm not sure about this one, though. Facebook's margin fell to 44% in the second quarter from 47% a year ago. And Mark Zuckerberg personally lost more than 15 fucking billion dollars in one day from that fall. How crazy is that shit? Oh, man. What else? Oh, here's a quick video for you. I don't even have the backstory because it's not really important. But uh, there was a uh, some Swedish SJW, social justice warrior, female, she decided to purposely buy a plane ticket, is what I heard, and get on a plane to stop a deportation of an asylum seeker back to Afghanistan. You guys tracking? So she found out there was going to be one on. She gets on the plane and refuses to get off the plane until he gets off the plane because she didn't like it. And she takes out her camera, starts filming it. So let's hear what this nut job sounds like. Here we go. I'm right now at an airport, at an airplane, and there's a person getting deportated to Afghanistan. Please don't take my phone. Don't touch my phone. 
and the people here working are trying to take my phone away from me just because Shut the person down, go is home. going Shut to down. get deported to Shut Afghanistan down. where there's war and he's Shut. going to get killed. And I'm not going to sit down until this person Please is stop. off the plane. <laughs> because he will most likely get killed if he is on this plane. I don't care what I'm, you think. I'm just asking I'm just what you, is more care. important, your no, life no. or the time. What about all these children? Are you, <laughs> you, you are frightening. And she starts crying. So that's what, so now you're very good. Uh, now you're, Sweden, your immigration policy is being dictated by crying 20-year-old girls who feel super bad. <laughs> oh, God. I know. I have a lot of... Uh, I do have some... I'm trying to space the audio out because I have a bunch of other... I have a bunch of other good audio. Uh, let's turn to the transgender news. we got a couple transgender news stories. How about this one? You know what? I predicted this would happen. A federal judge has ordered Wisconsin to pay for the gender reassignment surgery for two transgender Medicaid recipients. Yeah, isn't that great? I fucking told you this would happen. Yes, this is going to be... Your tax dollars are going to pay for elective surgery now because fucking weirdo, creepy fucking psychologists said that it's medically necessary. Okay? Let's fucking not get it twisted in any way, shape, or form. This is an elective surgery. You're not going to die. Okay? Just like getting a tit job as an elective surgery. You're not going to die if you don't get new tits. It, you know what? You want to pay for it yourself? Fuck, it's America. Free country. Go ahead. Why should I have to fucking pay for some fucking weirdo's sex change to get his fucking dick cut off? But that's what happened. Two of them. A 30-year-old and a 41-year-old filed a lawsuit in April... Well, that was cool. Boy, the fucking justices act quickly when it's, a, when it's a politically correct cause, don't they? And they filed a lawsuit saying a state rule denying coverage for surgeries to treat gender dysphoria violates the Affordable Care Act and their right to equal protection. There was a state rule that excluded coverage for undefined transsexual surgery in 1996. But because we're ruled by judges now and they don't care about rule, laws that were passed by the duly elected state legislature, U.S. District Judge William Conley granted a preliminary injunction Wednesday barring enforcement of that rule. And he suggested this injunction could be expanded to include any transgender Medicaid patient whose doctor recommends the surgery. That's it. Rest assured, this is coming to your state very soon, if it has not already. <laughs> Fucking joke. Okay, and get this. Flack? Uh, the one guy's name is Cody Flack, uh, one of the uh, plaintiffs. Excuse me, let me get a big drink of water here. Mm. Uh, he said, listen, this guy, this guy Flack has cerebral palsy and uses a motorized wheelchair and relies on supplemental security income for the disabled as his sole support. So you're in a fucking wheelchair, and you're really this worried about getting transgender surgery? None of this fucking makes sense. In our other transgender news, and this is more closely related to what I usually talk about, 
A federal appeals court in San Francisco rejected President Trump's request on Wednesday to put the latest version of his ban on most transgender military troops into effect while the court considers the government's argument that their service is expensive and disruptive. Now, um, I'm just looking. U.S. District Judge Marsha Petchman of Seattle blocked the Trump administration's revised ban from taking effect in April. And she said the Army's chief of staff, General Mark Milley, had told the Senate Armed First Services Committee that he had received precisely zero reports of any disruption or any problems caused by transgender troops. Let me fucking address this right now. I have some secret inside information. And, of course, no fucking reporter will ever bother looking into this, but I have it on very good authority. There's basically one hospital, I'm not going to say which one, that, that they're sending these transgender patients to. Did you guys know? Remember when this fucking first happened and the Pentagon was bending over backwards trying to tell you that this would have no effect on readiness? You don't need to be, have a degree. You don't need to be a doctor. You don't, need to have a, you don't need to know anything about expenses to know that that's patently absurd to say because if you fucking go down for surgery where you're going to be taken out months at a time, and I said this months ago, obviously that's going to have, have an effect on readiness. So you know what my fucking informant was telling me? They're telling me that because of the massive doses of hormones for new transgender patients... They ha these, these hormones have to be kept refrigerated. So once you're on these hormones, that makes you automatically non-deployable for two years. Right off the bat. Before you even fucking get one thing snipped, you are not deployable now for two years because of the special needs of your medication. But, but according to the fucking Pentagon, that doesn't affect readiness, being non-deployable for two years right off the bat. And then further, my secret information informed me, that a lot of these people, once they start going down the process, they have all kinds of mental problems and then just get out of the military altogether where they will then go and collect their 100% disability from the VA. And so you didn't even get any service out of them as a transgender. You fucking believe this? But remember, not one fucking reporter will ever even look into this because they are 100% in the tank for this. They think it's the right thing to do. They don't give a shit if it makes any sense or not, which is absurd. If again, you don't have, you just happen to have, you just have to have common sense to know that of course, giving somebody a brutal surgery or starting them on hormones with, with fuck with your moods and fuck with your body and fuck with everything you are that's going to, of course, obviously have an effect on your ability to perform job, thereby having an effect on readiness. It's fucking common sense. But, oh, but no, the Pentagon did a study, you guys, saying that it wouldn't. Get out of here. Uh, it's just nonsense. It's all nonsense. And speaking of nonsense... Uh, after being ridiculed across the fucking national media, even by the liberals in some cases, Santa Barbara, the city, is now backpedaling on suggesting jail time for people who offer plastic straws to patrons of their establishment. 
Yes, the Santa Barbara officials uh, were planning on imposing jail sentences of up to six months for people who offered plastic straws because they're trying to get rid of them. Yeah, under the proposed ordinance discussed by the city council, restaurants, bars, and supermarkets would be prohibited from providing their customers with plastic straws, plastic cutlery, or plastic stirs. And... This ordinance discussed Chapter 1.28 from the city's municipal code, which would begin with a warning and then escalate to a fine not exceeding $1,000 and imprisonment for a term not to exceed six months. Such a penalty would be the harshest in the country. In comparison, Seattle, which became the first major city in the country to ban plastic straws earlier this month, only fines businesses $250 for each offense. Even fucking a guy at UC Berkeley School of Law said this was silly. John Hu, a professor at the School of Law, said Santa Barbara's silly environmental policies demonstrate the misgovernment of California cities. Violent crime and property crime in the state are rising. The homeless are making our streets increasingly unsafe. Instead of addressing these basic public safety problems, cities like Santa Barbara are sending the police off to chase soda drinkers who like to use straws. Wow, that's all correct. I'm impressed. But the senior assistant to the city administrator of Santa Barbara named Nita Johnson insisted that nobody is facing jail time. Yes, again, this is all because word got out And this is what often happens with these stupid city councils, and they're all fucking controlled firmly by SJWs here in California. Make no mistake. Every city council in every city in California just about is firmly fucking run by these whack job leftists. And the only reason they're saying this and backtracking it now is because they were mocked all over the place. That's it. You fucking know it. I know it. Uh, I tweeted this one out at BK Actual. I don't even know how this guy did this, but here's the headline. German serial killer accidentally kills himself by attaching electric wires to his nipples and penis during a weird solo sex act gone wrong in his cell. Lots to unpack here. <laughs> this is um, Egidius Schiffer, Egidius, or Egidius, E-G-I-D-I-U-S. He's 62, died from a fatal electric current which flowed through his chest. He was in prison for murdering five female hitchhikers, by the way. He has been known as the Achgen Strangler. I guess that's where the uh, murders took place. But yeah, he tied a cable from a lamp around his penis and around his nipples. How do you fucking tie a cable around your nipples unless you'd have to have some serious like man boobs dude like you'd have to have a fucking c cup minimum right and (laughs) when the guards at the Bosham prison opened up his room he was still tied up in it that must have been fucking hilarious i I, i'll bet you a hundred dollars that one of the guards totally took a picture of his cell phone before they before they cut him down yeah he wound that cord around and he wound it around his nipples and his penis, and he, then he stuck the end in a power socket, and a fucking current went right through his chest, and that was it. 
Now, this is interesting. He was sentenced to life in 2008 for a series of grisly murders. The murders were between 83 and 90. So they used his DNA to convict him 18 years after the final murder. He had been picking up his victims, one of whom was just 15, as they tried to hitch rides home from nightclubs before handcuffing them, tying them up, raping them, and then burying them in the woods. Whew. He was arrested while stealing scrap metal and gave a DNA sample voluntarily after that arrest, which eventually connected him to the unsolved murders. Wow. Fucking people are lunatics, man. Uh, an underground lake is being found on Mars, or is it? Um, it's unclear exactly what this all means. The National Geographic uh, published an article about this, and they are wondering if this is like the real deal. Uh, I'm just, uh, sorry, I'm just scrolling through the story, but how did this happen? They basically, in 2008, the, a Mars study team saw glimmers of what could be some very bright reflections near the planet's south pole in an area where frozen ice sheets are stacked atop one another. Now, on Earth, when you see this, it's usually pools of briny water, so they decided to take another look at it. So, uh, it's, it's very complicated, but basically what happened was by comparing reflecting patterns on Mars with those of, of those seen on Earth, scientists were convinced that they'd found a subglacial lake. Perhaps several feet deep, the lake contains various salts that help it keep liquid at extremely cold temperatures, the team speculates. Now, not everyone is convinced that this is an actual lake. So that's where, like, you know, there, this, there's some skepticism here. Even according to the team, instead of a lake, it could be a deposit of dampening sludge, more like muddy sediments than a pocket filled with liquid. Uh, determining the exact nature of the structure will require a different instrument, said one of the scientists. They do not have enough information to say whether it is a lake or saturated sediment like an aquifer. Uh, the spokesman said a lake would be far more interesting if it was because that would imply that there is like non-frozen water on Mars which would be which would be crazy. I mean, I you know, I, I, and I just want to see the aliens, okay? I'm I can't really get into the lake. I, I knew you guys would be into it. But personally, I need I need to be blown away on something more than that. Um you know what? This fucking made me crazy, you guys. The fucking fake news, man. It's fucking nonstop. You know, it really annoys me too. Because we had a couple different incidents this week. And it just bugs the shit out of me. Because we're supposed to fucking treat the news as this sacred fucking institution all the time, right? And ev Because remember, everybody got super mad because Trump fucking was at the VFW. And the veterans there booed the press. And everyone got so mad. Because the press is, a, like, people act like the press is this non-biased fucking sacred thing. And it's like, they're but they're constantly putting out lie after fucking lie all the time. 
So let's fucking first here. I do have the I do have the clip of Trump at the VFW. And I have not listened to this. I believe it happens uh, in the first few seconds. So let's hear Trump talking to the VFW in Missouri. Here we go. I said, you have to change. They didn't want to change. I said, okay, good. We're going to tariff your cars. They send millions of cars. Mercedes, all of them. BMW, so many cars. <laughs> I said, we're going to have to tariff your cars. They said, uh, when can we uh, show up? When can we be there? Uh, would tomorrow be okay? No, folks, stick with us. Stick with us. He's doing his stand-up act. I think it's coming up here. He's talking, obviously he's talking Amazing. about the trade deal. But remember, they have the biggest, best, strongest lobbyists, and they're doing a number. Just stick with us. Don't believe the crap you see from these people, the fake news. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I saw a piece on NBC today. NBC, not just CNN. CNN's the worst, but I saw a piece on <laughs> NBC. It was heart-throbbing. They were interviewing heart people. Throbbing? They probably go through 20, and then they pick the one that sounds like the worst. But they went through a group of people. In fact, I wanted to say, I got to do something about this Trump. <laughs> Terrible. And that piece was done by the lobbyists and by the people that they hire. It was a total setup. This country is doing better than it's ever done before economically. This is the time to take off the ripoff of tariff. We have to do it. All right. So basically, yeah. So everybody got super mad at the VFW, which kills me because the VFW, I went on their Twitter account and you see people who don't give a flying fuck about the VFW. They don't give a flying fuck about veterans. But they're quick to comment saying, my grandfather stormed the beaches at Normandy and he would be just appalled. And I'm like, real? I don't fucking think he would be. And why do I bring this up? Because the story that really jumped out at me was when Katie Tour, she's a big deal, right? She's a big deal. on. She's all over the media. She's a big reporter. And she was tweeting out how Jeff Sessions was chanting along with high school students, lock her up. That's what she fucking wrote on Twitter. Jeff Sessions chanting, lock her up with high school students. So I said, wow, that sounds pretty fucking gnarly, dude. Let's actually listen to the clip of Jeff Sessions. And basically he's talking about let me give you the context here. Jeff Sessions is talking to high school students, and he's basically sitting there going, don't be fucking snowflakes. That's the theme of his talk. You know, you don't need fucking, don't run crying to mommy after every little slight in college. Just fight back, blah, blah, blah. So here's Jeff Sessions talking to these high school students. Let's listen to him. Let's, let's listen to Jeff Sessions chanting along. Here we go. Uh, I like this bunch. I got to tell you, you're not going to be backing down. Go get them. Go get them. Rather than molding, <laughs> uh, uh, lock her up. <laughs> well, so ra a rat, I heard that a long time over the last campaign. Rather than okay, so so clearly he's not chanting along. He was reading from a prepared speech. And, it's, and he's reacting. He's like, oh, yeah, lock her up. Shit, I heard that a few times. And this fucking stupid reporter and every 
left-wing resistance fucking journalist, quote-unquote, is tweeting out that Jeff Sessions is sitting there chanting, lock her up with a bunch of high school kids. It's fucking nonsense. And then you want to turn around and be like, how dare these veterans fucking boo the media? Like they're so fucking noble and righteous. They're fucking, they have an agenda. That's all. They're just like me and they're just like you. They have a point of view and they're going to fucking try to find shit to support it. Except I don't make shit up. That's the difference between the two of us. And I always refer, you know, the one I, I'll never forget. I, I always knew it was bad. You guys, I always, I've told you a hundred times. It's really not about what the media says. It's about what they don't cover. That's why, you know, you have to go looking for the illegal alien murder someone stories where in contrast to that, the LA Times, like every third story on the LA Times Twitter feed is about how some illegal immigrant has been inconvenienced or a sob story. You know what I'm saying? That's the difference. So they want you to know, when they want you to know something, they will fucking beat you over the head with it. When they don't want you to know something, they will try to fucking hide it anytime they can. And that's the real, that's the real media bias. I just tell you the truth. I say, this is what happened. This is what it's out there. But man, the fu- and, and the fact that there was a bunch of fucking veterans, politically correct veterans on Twitter bashing the VFW guys, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I bet if fucking they had booed Trump, when he meant to make his speech, I bet you would have fucking jizzed your pants. But no, they boo the media. So, oh, let's castigate them. You know what? They're fucking old veterans. They can do. They can boo whoever the fuck they want. They want to boo the president? Fine. They want to boo the media? That's fucking fine, too. They earned it. They're Americans. Who the fuck are you? These fucking resistance fucking jerks on Twitter to say who can and can't boo. This is a fucking America. We can boo whoever we want. Just, just remember that. The media fucking makes a huge deal out of it if somebody's booing somebody they don't like. They fucking love it. But the second you boo somebody they do like, oh my God, they lose their fucking minds, you guys. So sick of it. It's so transparent and fucking lame. Predictable. What else? <laughs> oh, uh, you know, I, I knew this, but I'm glad there's actually studies to back it up now. Uh, Bloomberg has an article. It's fascinating. The title of the article is this. Reality show fame is more lucrative than an Oxford or Cambridge education. Yes, that's right. Contestants, and they're basing this on this. Contestants on British reality TV show Love Island, Love Island, out-earn graduates from the UK's most prestigious universities. On average, the contestants on Love Island can expect to earn $1.4 million, outstripping the projected financial benefits of studying at either the University of Oxford or its counterpart in Cambridge. Oxford graduates, I'm sorry. um, Yes, one of the college graduates is likely to earn about 815,000 British pounds more over their lifetime than someone who does not attend university. And this show, Love Island, I've never watched it. I've seen it in passing. And and basically, they're all like hot young people. So, yes, getting your picture out there and being like famous, uh, that will earn you considerably more cachet in our modern shitty world (laughs) than going to Oxford. And as a matter of fact, if you go to Oxford, you're probably going to have to pay tuition and go into massive amounts of debt. 
So you're better off hitting the fucking gym. Ladies, strap a couple bolt-ons to your chest. Hit the gym. Go on reality TV. You'll fucking make all kinds of money. Uh, Another California story. Oh, I love these. From the San Francisco Chronicle headline. California DMV worker slept three hours a day on the job for nearly four years. The DMV is, of course, the Department of Motor Vehicles. And according to the state's auditor report, this DMV worker napped at her desk for an estimated 2,200 hours of work time between February 2014 and December of 2017. Oh, the employee's name was not released. Why? We release everybody else's name. Boy, they protect their own, don't they? The employee's supervisors failed to discipline her, despite noting in her performance evaluations that she routinely slept on the job. And in response to this audit, the DMV said it could not take disciplinary action against the employee because her behavior had not been properly documented. (laughs) What was I just saying about the paper trail? A warning was issued to the employee this last March that she could be disciplined for future on-the-job naps, and her supervisors were required to complete additional training. Oh, what's the training? (laughs) The training, shouldn't that be 10 seconds? Here's the fucking training. Don't let your employees sleep at their desk while they're working. That's Isn't that the beginning and the fucking end of the training? Wow. Now, out here in California, because of our stupid government, we have crazy long waits at the DMV. And those wait times have worsened in recent months, in large part because of the Real ID Act, a federal law that requires people to carry special driver's licenses by 2020 if they want to use them for air travel. That means more people head to the DMV and more paperwork for DMV staffers. And of course, because this is fucking the San Francisco Chronicle, they don't put any mention in the fact that we have to do this now because we gave out driver's license to illegal immigrants, and those licenses will not comply with the Real ID Act. So it forces all of us citizens... Now we all have to make a special trip because our state legislature had to take care of the illegal immigrants who they value fucking above every other demographic in this state. And I'm not even kidding. Every other demographic. Oh, they did have a few other cool stories that they highlighted in this report. A manager at a Cal State University Dominguez Hills approved the purchase of a $7,000 electrical electrical vehicle quick charging station before realizing it would cost $100,000 to install it because it was not compatible with the campus's electrical infrastructure. The charger has not been used since the university bought it in 2013. (laughs) And two groundskeepers at a California State University, Fresno, missed thousands of hours of work between January of 2013 and December 2017 by arriving late, taking long breaks, and leaving their shifts for hours. (laughs) This goes on fucking every day and every night out here. It fucking never ends. Uh, The actress Demi Lovato. Who is she, anyway? I don't even know who she is. She was fucking overdosed on, like, heroin or something? 
This is nuts. Yeah, she uh, she basically uh, they called nine one one, and she was rushed to the hospital after suffering what appears to be a heroin overdose. And now they're saying though she she didn't die. She has fought substance abuse for many years. Um, but they're saying now they're they're kind of denying it was heroin, and they're saying it involved meth. But uh, the story's confusing. Maybe I don't have the the latest update because law enforcement sources say Demi Lovato was treated with Narcan, which is the first line defense for narcotic overdoses. Is that it acts as a um, receptor blocker for the opiate, so it can, can kind of reverse uh, overdoses. Hmm. I don't even know what she was in. What to, she's a movie star. She's not looking too good, I'll tell you that right now. It's, uh, TMZ has a little photo gallery of her through the years, and she's not she's not, not looking that great. Uh, what else do I have? Stormy Daniels is getting a divorce. Yes, shockingly, <laughs> she must have married the world's biggest moron because her husband, Glendon Crane, filed for divorce, uh, citing alleged adultery. I fucking am shocked, you guys, that a porn star would commit adultery. And, uh, yeah, her attorney is, of course, that weirdo Michael Avenatti. And he says that she's disputing the actress, the uh, accuracy of the filing and that she was not unfaithful. I wonder if he, I mean, he banged her, right? Avenetti, he had to have banged her. I I refuse to believe that Avenetti did not bang her. I guarantee you he did. Probably a package deal with her. Um, how about this one, dude? I'm always telling you guys, fucking watch out for these vagrants out here. Well, we had a murder out here. Another one. A 27 year old man has been charged with murder. He is suspected of stabbing two women in the throat, killing one of them at the public transit station in Oakland, California. That's the BART station. 18-year-old Neo Wilson was walking on the subway platform with her sisters when a man stabbed her with a knife in an unprovoked fatal attack on Sunday, according to Bay Area Rapid Transit officials. Her sister, Latifa Wilson, was also stabbed and seriously injured. Now, the suspect, named John Cowell, faces charges of murder and attempted murder. He is seen on surveillance video stabbing both of them before running from the scene. And this marks the third death in less than a week from unrelated attacks on the BART system. Um, where are these other two attacks? I'm just... Uh... I don't, okay, so this CNN story doesn't have the other two attacks after mentioning them. I don't know why you'd do that. I know one of them, one of the other attacks was like a vagrant was kicked in the head by another vagrant until he died. Yeah. Now, complicating this, Cowell, the guy who uh, stabbed these two sisters, he was convicted of second-degree robbery and assault with a deadly weapon in 2016. He was paroled in May after being sentenced to two years in prison for second-degree robbery. Now, he is white, and the Wilson sisters are black. However, 
The Alameda County Sheriff District Attorney's Office has not said whether this had something to do with a hate crime. And from what it sounds like on the video, he just fucking walked up to him and started stabbing. Who knows? Maybe they looked at him wrong. That's what I'm always telling you guys. Don't be fucking. He was living on the streets. He's a fucking homeless bum. But, you know, interestingly enough, this was... You take a... People, like usual, don't fucking draw any of the right conclusions. Now, instead of people wondering why we're letting these fucking weirdos out of prison so early, or why we don't chase vagrants out of town, instead they want to make this like a racial thing, which it could be, don't get me wrong. I don't know the whole story. All we know now is that this guy just walked up and started stabbing. Maybe he did, maybe it was because they're black. I don't know. But we basically had protests where they just assume this is like white supremacy at work. And even like... like Anne Hathaway, the actress, she fucking wrote on this Insta- on her Instagram page how this is horrible that a black woman was murdered in cold blood by a white man and that, quote, white people, including me, including you, must take into the marrow of our privileged bones the truth that all black people fear for their lives daily in America. <laughs> and so basically... And she's calling out white people and how we're terrible. Anne Hathaway. This was an Instagram post that got 363,000 likes, okay? Again, we don't know if that had anything to do with it. And it just comes to my mind. I'm like, I'm, Anne, did you say this when fucking that guy was stabbed in the neck while holding his daughter on his fucking lap in a California steakhouse? You guys remember that one? I covered that a couple months ago when that happened. That was a white man who was sitting there with his daughter and a black fucking homeless guy walked up and stabbed him in the neck with a fucking steak knife and killed him. I must have missed Anne Hathaway's lecture on that one. Almost identical circumstances. I also must have missed Anne Hathaway's uh, Instagram post on a 25-year-old woman who's now being charged with murder after kidnapping a baby boy with two men, setting him on fire, and then leaving him to die on the Louisiana Railroad tracks. This was a six-month-old white baby named Levi Ellerby. And the woman took him was a black woman named Felicia Maria Nicole, 25 years old. I must have missed Anne Hathaway's outcry on that. Or Anne Hathaway, I also must have missed... Your Instagram post when two teenagers, a 16-year-old and an 18-year-old, kidnapped a 71-year-old white woman. The two teenagers were black. And took her out of a TJ Maxx, kidnapped her, murdered her, dumped her body in Jefferson County, and then burned her car. You know what? What is it? Why make why make a racial thing out of nothing? Because all Anne Hathaway is doing is trying to get likes on social media. That's all. So she'll ignore all the other ones. But this is an easy way for white people to get likes. You know, that's all it is. That's all everything is now. Is how many likes on on uh, on social media can I get? Unbelievable. Thank you for the many of you who sent me this one, <laughs> and I do mean many. A man was arrested for exercising naked at Planet Fitness in New Hampshire. That's right. 34-year-old Eric Stagno stripped naked, 
because he said he thought he was in a judgment-free zone while he was being arrested. <laughs> this is, so, so this guy walks into the Planet Fitness. He takes off all his clothes, and then he starts walking back and forth and doing yoga poses on a yoga mat. And that's what his defense was. He said, look, Planet Fitness's slogan is that it is a judgment-free zone. Who are you to tell me I need to wear clothes? I mean, he's got a fucking point. I've never been to a Planet Fitness. I refuse to go into a civilian gym at this point. I can't, I couldn't fucking deal with it. I only work out at like the, uh, you know, the military base gyms. There's one pretty close to my house. So I just go to that and it's free. So, but I, I can't imagine what people have to deal with in a civilian gym. Fucking disgusting. What else? Oh, you know what? This tag team's on a little bit about what I talked last week about. Remember last week when I was talking about the dude who deleted his Twitter account, the, the Rick and Morty co-creator. And this is kind of like this big thing now with Hollywood. And it's been in the news about is Hollywood like this secret den of fucking pedophiles? And has it been this whole time? And I talked about it last week with that director of the Guardians of the Galaxy thing the incident where he was removed. What's his name? I don't even know what his name is. I forgot already. Because that guy had been making many, many, many pedophile jokes on social media. And then as I said at the time, I'm like, yeah, you know what? After a while, like after the 30th or 40th pedophile joke, I think maybe you're not joking about it. And I'm all about jokes and everything. Well, here's another fucking couple of winners. So there's this cartoon called Rick and Morty. It's on like Comedy Central or something. I don't, I don't watch that shit. But apparently it's, uh, I don't know, all it's the cool kids show now. And it's, it's I, I guess everybody thinks it's hilarious. I've never seen it. Well, there's two co-creators of this, right? One guy is named Dan Harmon. And Dan Harmon deleted his entire Twitter account because he made like a comedy video. <laughs> Big air quotes there. Which involved fake baby rape, which he filmed in 2009. And he cut to the chase. He just deleted his whole Twitter account. Well, his fucking co-creator named Justin Roiland had drawn, and he posted this in April 2017. He posted a picture that was a nude drawing of Baron Trump, Donald Trump's youngest son, of course. And Baron Trump is seen wearing a pair of virtual reality goggles and a t-shirt, but he is naked from the waist down. And yes, he drew naked genitals of this. And this is just, this is fucking weird to me, dude. Who fucking does that? Honest. Oh, J James Gunn was the director of Guardians of the Galaxy. I've seen his story. Like, and further, wasn't it last week where I did the case where the prison, where the uh, the uh, appeals court ruled that a convicted child sex offender, he was drawing his own cartoons of kids with genitals, and the judge said, this is child porn. You're making child porn. Have you ever known a man, a grown man, to draw a picture of a fucking, how old's Baron Trump? 
insane here. Baron Trump's like what, like 13, something like that? Young kid. Do you know in your whole life a grown man, adult man, who draws pictures of adolescents' genitals? And if you do, do you think he's a fucking heterosexual? The answer is clearly no. Honest, I don't care how creative you are. Oh, you have a cartoon, Rick and Morty. Wow, you're so fucking smart and witty. You draw fucking prepubescent teenage boys as genitals. Wow, you're so edgy, bro. Again, you know what? I don't need a fucking picture drawn for me. I don't need to see the 30th picture of you drawing little boy cartoons with their genitals to kind of fucking figure it out for myself because I have critical thinking skills. Yeah. I don't know. It's fucking... You know what? I did All these... They are. There's so much fucking sickness and grotesque shit in Hollywood, and yet they're the first people to stand up there and moralize, aren't they? On their award shows where they all sit around blowing each other and fucking lapping up the jizz everywhere. Yeah. They're so fucking woke. Meanwhile, they're fucking drugging each other, sexually preying on young females who are trying to break into the business. Fucking touching little boys, drawing cartoons of little boys' genitals. They all make me fucking sick, you guys. I'm at a point now. I don't even watch TV anymore. <laughs> uh, what else? What else do I have? How much? You guys, I'm telling you. You, I keep asking you, find me fucking another podcast where a guy goes two and a half hours every week with no breaks. Now, their podcasts are probably a lot better than mine because, let's face it, if I had access to all kinds of editing equipment and I took fucking five, six hours to edit this together, it would probably be a lot better. And did take after take? I don't do any of that. There are no takes. There, are, there is no prep besides the tabs I have open in front of me. This is all just as it comes and the show goes where it goes and i hope you guys do enjoy it because uh it is sometimes not the easiest thing to do and absolutely some weeks are better than others some weeks i do i do really struggle uh up in portland this was great i have tracked and i played the audio for you a while ago because the portland occupy weirdos and the antifa people have been staking out the portland ice camp basically that's right they basically set up camp near the local office of u.s immigrations and customs enforcement after an outcry over the agency's crackdown on illegal immigrants so they basically set up this camp and it had tons of debris they basically set up their own city that included wooden pallets makeshift toilets ugh Books, toys, liquor bottles, tents, and furniture. It was a shanty town, basically. I know, I just said basically a lot in the last five minutes. That's what I'm talking about. Mayor Ted Wheeler publicly ordered the Occupy ICE protesters to leave the camp on Monday, but they ignored him because they knew he wouldn't do shit. But I guess even he had enough, old Ted Wheeler. Because Portland police stepped in to clear... The protesters. Which led to some hilarious video of, of the protesters shouting at the cops when the police finally enters the camp. Now, I want to stress to you what a pile of shit garbage dump this camp is. 
with urine bottles and feces and garbage strewn anywhere. I want to stress how hideous it is because you're going to hear some funny shit from the protesters. So uh, I'm going to credit my man, Andy Ngo. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. It's NGO. He's an independent journalist. He's been kind of on the whole Portland beat of this. So you can go to his Twitter account, at Mr. Andy Ngo, NGO. And he has this great video, which I'm going to play. And so this is the moment the police walk into the camp, and you're going to hear the protesters kind of screaming at the cops as the cops advance onto them. Okay, you guys understand? All right, let's hear how this one goes. Here we go. Are you okay with that? It's just the three of us, and they're doing their little Bravo G move. Hey, boys, it's Jeff. That's the protesters. Time to leave, folks. Yeah, it looks like that's what we're fucking... What does it look like we're doing? Looks it look like we're fucking doing, dipshit. I heard you. We're leaving. You're not, actually. Bravo team, move. Bravo team. See, this is what happens when a fascist empire fucking sees people create something beautiful. As a comrade back here said, they have to fucking smash it. They have to destroy it. Hold on. Hold on. I have to, I have, I have to stop right there already, because not only this fucking jerk say... Uh, he's using all the correct buzzwords of fascism, but he says when uh, fascists have to destroy something beautiful, he's talking about their feces and urine strewn camp, which is fucking the opposite spectrum of beautiful. Let's, uh, is there more of this? Yeah, let me, let me keep going on this. All right, here we go. Here's this uh, idiot again. People create something beautiful. As a comrade back here said, they have to fucking smash it. They have to destroy it. Ooh, comrade, he said, too. The story of history. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't squared off with you fucks in a while. Do I know any of you? Do you remember me? Jeff? Huh? I know. No, actually, actually, I say they're not quite chomping. They're pretty casual about it. Cops are strolling. Yeah, no shit. We fucking heard you. Quit fucking yammering. Quit your snorting. We're going. Quit your fucking snorting. We're going. Wow. Uh, just so you know, your beanbag guns don't fucking hurt. Ah, <laughs> no way. I did not know that was in this. I fucking told you. Remember when I did the last ice video? I said that. I said those fucking beanbag guns look useless to me. They don't do shit. He just fucking confirmed it. This fucking whack job. Come on, man. I told him they. I told him they needed to be big. They needed to use better stuff than that. Is there more of this? Here we go. Clear the tent. Clear the tent. There could be hostiles inside. He's mocking them. Fall in, Bravo team. Mr. Singer, my father is Mr. Singer. I'm Jeff. Right, Jeff. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. You fucking hog. Wow. You fucking traitor. You sack of shit. This is the city of roses. You serve. You serve the city of roses. That is the federal government you're supporting. Leave. Fuck you. They don't Leave. give two shits. I'm leaving, dipshit. You're a fucking traitor. Wow. Fuck you. You're a fucking traitor. 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 You're a fucking traitor. Oh, you better believe. Oh, see. Wow. I don't fucking know how people become cops. I don't. I would have beaten the living fuck out of that, th this fat, 
neck-bearded waste of flesh who thinks he's such a fucking so witty and smart. He is obviously this guy has no job, Jeff. Oh, it's so foul. Yeah, dude, I have I have no patience for this shit. You guys, I don't. I could never be a cop. I would have beaten the fuck out of him repeatedly. Oh, let's do, I got to cheer myself up, guys. Let's turn to something guaranteed to cheer me up. The sex robots. Yes, I love it. And an article claims sex robots are turning the Japanese into an endangered species as men are choosing the dolls over women. Yes. Japan's birth rate fell below 1 million last year. And this is a trend that has partially been blamed on the rise of sex dolls by some demography experts. <laughs> oh, there's a documentary out called Substitutes. And this is all about the concerning trend of men opting for sex dolls instead of women. Uh, sex doll sales have been increasing dramatically, according to a Japanese firm known as Dutch Wives which sold around 2,000 lifelike dolls in 2017. Now, these fake dolls, robots, cost about $6,000 U.S. and have removable heads and adjustable fingers and genitals. <laughs> uh, the sex doll salesman said that sex with a silicone doll is better than the real thing. He said, it looks like a doll, but you feel as though it's really alive. When you make love to your wife, there can be some problems. With a doll, none of that matters. But experts claim sex dolls are dampening the birth rate and creating a larger demographic of singletons shunning relationships with real women. Well, that's going to happen. Uh, Japan's done as we know it, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, the freak deaths... You guys know they always, they always those always freak me out too. Yeah, a 15-year-old boy was killed in Tennessee when his riding lawnmower flipped and pinned his body to a creek. Oh god, man. Yeah, they don't have a lot of detail in here, but yeah, he was riding on the mower, apparently it tipped over or something right next to a creek and the mower pinned his fucking head below the water, I guess. And he died, 15 years old. Uh, watch out for your Uber, your, uh, your Uber bill, you guys. Always check your receipt on Uber because some of the drivers are up to no good. Uh, some Uber drivers have been claiming that passengers threw up in the back of their car in order to claim extra cash from users. It's known as vomit fraud. And passengers only know they've been a victim of the scam long after their ride is finished. The tactic is being used frequently in several cities, including Miami, where drivers will falsely claim that riders vomited in the back of their vehicle. This allows them to bill customers anything from $80 to $150, depending on what the driver states happened. So... Yeah, because it won't show up right away. You'll get an email from Uber reporting an adjustment in your bill and the unwelcome addition of a quote-end-quote cleanup fee. Wow, $150, man. And some of these drivers are just finding pictures of puke on the Internet and pretending that was your puke. 
So be careful. Oh, another thing I hate. Uh, come on, guys. An another pop quiz. Top five, my favorite stories. Yeah, yeah, this is one of them. A waiter admits he made up racist, we don't tip terrorist note on check that went viral. <laughs> A guy named Khalil Kavil, 20 years old, claimed he got the note at the Saltgrass Steakhouse last week. He posted, okay, so he's the server, this Kavil character. He posted a picture of the customer's receipt, which read, We don't tip terrorist. Singular. So they didn't even write it correctly. He later admitted he wrote the note himself, but offered no explanation. Oh, I got the... The explanation is he wanted likes on on Facebook. That's it. That's the, old, that's the explanation for all of this. They want likes. It's the most valuable currency in our society now. Yep, he had said that he was stiffed out of a tip on a $108 bill and then admitted fabricating an episode because the restaurant carried out an internal investigation and the Saltgrass Steakhouse Chief Operations Officer banned the customer, like right off the bat. And the customer said, dude, I didn't do that shit. So they questioned the guy again. He confessed. And the customer has now been invited back to the restaurant. I'd be like, fuck yourself, dude. You fucking jump all down my throat? Get out of here. I'm not coming back. God, I still have so much to get to. Running out of time, though. We're getting down to it. Do you guys remember that Stanford rapist? It was a big deal out in California. I don't know if it made the nation news, but it was big out here. This was Brock Turner. And this was the guy who got a six-month jail sentence for raping a chick, and it was a huge outcry because he was like a you know, privileged white guy or whatever. He was the former Stanford swimmer, so he was an athlete. And they're basically saying, oh, he was privileged, and he got out of jail for being privileged. Well, his lawyer is appealing the judgment, and his lawyer made an argument before a three-judge panel of California's 6th District Court of Appeals about this rape, saying he did not intend to commit rape because he did not want intercourse. He was just looking for outer course. <laughs> In case you don't know what outer course is, it is defined as sexual activity other than vaginal sex. Now, this is a significant distinction. Because at the time this happened, California law had narrowly defined rape as an act of sexual intercourse. That law has since been expanded to include all forms of non-consensual sexual assault. But at the time, it only said, like, the penis going into the vagina. So, he's saying, no, 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 he didn't want to do that. He just wanted to rub up on her. And that's not rape, according to what the statute said at the time. Uh, at least one of the judges did not seem swayed. And in a funny quote here, Associate Justice Franklin D. Aaliyah said, quote, I absolutely don't understand what you are talking about, end quote, when the outer course was, was brought up. Sounds like you're going to have a tough sale with that. But that's what lawyers do, man. They fucking try all kinds of other stupid 
ways to get their clients off. And that's, that's what they're supposed to do. What else? A wheelchair-bound man has been outed by the New York Post. This was a Queens man in New York. He has been shaking down businesses by threatening to sue for millions of dollars over their lack of handicapped access if they don't pay him first. So a reporter from the Post decided to go visit this guy, knock on his door, and this 24-year-old fat fuck showed up at the door just walking just fine (laughs) and said, screamed, Please, I don't want picture, named, uh, said Eric Matatov. 24-year-old guy, and this is what he's doing. And he's fat and disgusting looking. He can walk just fine. But he's been basically walking into businesses with a wheelchair saying, oh, you're not handicapped accessible, so you can either give me 50 grand right now or I can sue you for $5 million. This is an old tactic. You know, they... uh, they tried to do this, and th- there's been many cases this throughout the years. Like these, sh- There's been shyster law firms. They did this in L.A. There was a famous case where they were like going in and, and say, oh, your, your sink is two inches higher than it's supposed to be, according to the Americans with Disabilities Act. So give us, we'll settle right now for five grand, or we'll sue you for 100 grand. You can lose everything. And they were like targeting like immigrant-owned businesses who were like scared, so they just give them five grand. Yeah, big, 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 big business out here. Uh, six members of the Japanese doomsday cult have been executed in Japan. Remember that? And this was the doomsday cult who did that sarin gas attack in this Tokyo subway in 1995. You guys remember that one? That was part of a murder spree throughout the country that left 29 people dead. That subway attack just by itself in 1995, killed 13 people and injured more than 6,000 others. And in Japan, they sentenced you to death by hanging. Why don't we do that? How, how does Japan have more sense? Japan hardly ever executes anybody. But when they do, look how easy it is. None of this nonsense about the drugs or, oh, the guy coughed when he was injected with the lethal injection. So therefore, it's like, you know, he's suffering. Now we can't do it. There you go. Just the fuck. Throw the rope right up over the lamppost. It fucking works 100% of the time. Let's just go back to it. Uh, you guys, you men out there, they, they are, there's a, there's a trend going around that they're calling the summer penis phenomenon. What is summer penis? A journalist wrote about this earlier this month, and it's kind of caught on since then. And what they're saying is it's a temporary fluctuation that increases penis size thanks to heat and warmth. And she quoted Reddit users who claimed that in their personal experience, summer brings on bigger penises, better erections, and larger testicles. Well... Turns out there might be a little science behind it. The reporter named Tracy Moore spoke with several urologists who backed up the men's claims and attributed the apparent growth in penis size to the fact that blood vessels may expand in the summer to regulate heat, unlike in winter months when blood vessels contract. So, 
That's your vasodilation right there. And in the summer, yeah, your shaft gets all fucking swole, dude. You can be printing. You print in your board shorts. You're proud. So in the winter, you don't want to be doing that. Your dick's all small. Cold weather, man, it'll do that. Just like the uh, shrinkage, right? That's it, basically, in a, in a nutshell. Uh, what else? Oh, this was good. How about this? Let me give you guys a little pop quiz for this week. The Daily Mail printed a story from the Center for Science in the Public Interest, which has published its annual Extreme Eating Awards. And the awards honor the most calorific plates in America. In other words, what is the shittiest food you can possibly buy <laughs> at a restaurant? So I'm looking at the... Oh, man, dude, that is insane. All right, you know who won? Is the Cheesecake Factory, which won the award Worst Way to Start the Day. They won for their 2,730-calorie breakfast burrito from the Cheesecake Factory. And that is scrambled eggs, bacon, chicken, chorizo, cheese, salsa, and blah, blah, blah. Not only does it have 2,700 calories, it has 73 grams of saturated fat and 4,630 milligrams of sodium. That's more than twice the daily limit. It is the equivalent of eating seven McDonald's sausage McMuffins in one go, which I could fucking easily do, especially right now. I haven't eaten yet today, you guys. I'm fucking starving. I could eat seven sausage McMuffins, no problem. But again... I'm a grown man, 210 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal, so I can eat. Uh, what else do they have? They had, I've never, some of these places I've never heard of. I'm, I'm skipping down to the, the places I've heard of. Oh, and the Cheesecake Factory is named a second time. It also has a 1,870-calorie chicken Parmesan pizza style. And Chili's got in there, the restaurant Chili's, with their 2,510-calorie honey chipotle crispers and waffles. That is basically fried chicken served atop Belgian waffles with bacon jalapenos, ranch dressing, french fries, and honey chipotle sauce. <laughs> Dude, this I'm looking at the picture now. Oh, that looks awesome. I would eat the fuck out of that. I'm not going to lie. I'm just making myself hungry. I'm not even going to do the rest of the story. Uh, a, you know, we cover the women behaving badly too a lot of times. All the all the teachers lately in the news. Well, it turns out apparently one of them at least was acquitted. Uh, Jill Lamontagne, Lamontagne, thirty years old, was cleared of fourteen counts of sexual abuse after a jury deliberated for two hours on Thursday. She had been accused of having sex with a then 17-year-old student in a classroom closet. And she maintained from the beginning that she was just helping the teen with his schoolwork and knew that he had some emotional problems. The teacher's lawyer asserted that the allegations were just the fantasy of a teenage boy. I don't, you know, I feel kind of bad. Because, I mean, I might have shared this story because I've shared so many of them. So I felt it 
uh, incumbent upon myself to correct the record if I had. Now, she, you know, most teachers have admitted this right off, so I don't feel too bad. But she said from the beginning, like, dude, this, was, this wasn't me. Uh, we had the Toronto shooting. Yeah, the uh, up there in, where was that exactly? Danforth Avenue in Toronto. And this guy, Faisal Hussein, 29 years old, shot up a bunch of people, shot at cops, and then shot himself in the head. So it kind of worked out for everybody involved. Sadly, um, there were two young women casualties, uh, Reese Fallon, 18 years old, and 10-year-old Juliana Kozis were shot dead in his rampage. Now, they did locate a high-capacity magazine and a large quantity of ammunition for an assault-style rifle while searching Hussein's apartment. They said he was not known to be a gang member, but his brother has ties to a local gang. So no indications uh, that he had any kind of uh, terrorism connections, even though ISIS, <laughs> I, ISIS, yes, that ISIS put out a statement that this was uh, he was one of their soldiers, which they always do that shit. So that doesn't really mean anything. But now Toronto is jumping right to ban handgun sales because of this one fucking freak. They voted 41 to 4 just days after the shooting to ban the sales of handguns in the city and to push the Canadian government to ban the sales of handgun, handguns altogether. Toronto Mayor John Tory said to the city council, there are far too many people carrying around guns in our city and our region who should not have them. Why does anyone in this city need to have a gun at all? Oh, I don't fucking know. I don't fucking know, Tory. I mean, I wouldn't mind having a gun just in case some fucking crazy nut tries to kill me and my daughters. Man. Now, they do have... Guns are legal in Canada, but you have to jump through a lot of hoops. And in Toronto, uh, that is Canada's most populous city. They have been grappling with growing gun violence in recent years. In 2017, Toronto Police Service reported 205 shootings. As of Monday, with five months left in the year, the 2018 totals have exceeded last year's totals with 228 shootings already. Homicides in the city have also increased this year so far to 58 homicides. Last year's total were only 24. Most of the homicides this year, 29 out of the 58, were from shootings. I reached out to my man, my secret source in a particular Toronto police department, and um, he said he doesn't know a lot about it either, and it looks like this was just like one of these. Uh, again, it's always it's the same guy. It's just another incel loser. That's all it is. Uh, you want to talk about some privilege. And again, this is like the really the illustration between what the media cares about and what they don't. Because I, I doubt any of you heard about this. Did you know a niece of former Vice President Joe Biden was sentenced Thursday to two years of probation for committing more than $100,000 worth of credit card fraud at a New York City store? Yeah, you never heard about this, did you? 
For nearly a year, Carolyn Biden, 31 years old, used an unidentified victim's Chase credit card at a pharmacy. According to prosecutors, the victim had given her permission to make a $600 purchase with the card. (laughs) Idiot. But then Biden used the card to open a customer account at the Manhattan shop without the cardholder's approval and racked up a $100,000 tab in over a year? What is she even buying? Hmm. They don't even put what she bought. She did plead. She admitted to grand larceny and petty larceny. And she was charged also in 2013 with hitting a police officer during a dispute with her roommate. Yeah. Imagine this. Imagine for a second if this was a person related to Trump. You think you'd have fucking heard about that case? Yeah, just a little bit, right? Just a little bit. Dude, watch out for these guys, man. A man named Anthony Collins, 54 years old, grabbed his 42-year-old girlfriend, Cynthia Riser, and jumped onto tracks in front of the northbound C train in Queens. I'm sorry, it was Brooklyn, and killed both of them. It was a murder-suicide. The woman was reportedly seen struggling and screaming no, 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 before she and Collins tumbled onto the tracks and were struck by a northbound train in this murder-suicide. Holy shit, dude. Um, apparently, they were both married to other people and having an affair with one another. He also had a history of domestic violence. Jesus. I'm telling you, man. There's no end to the fucking insanity. Uh, 22% of the United States population does not speak English at home. That's right. 13.5% right now of the U.S. population, 44 million people, is foreign-born. That is the highest level ever. And I, and I point this story out because, remember, it's always curious. Any cut in immigration of any level is always met with fucking shrieking hysteria. Even when it's at insane... Heights like this. 31% of people living in Nevada do not speak English at home. That's the highest in the country. Uh, next highest was Florida at 29%. Uh, most of it is Spanish. But it's all kinds. And again, I ask, why, why, don't, why don't we just give the fucking pot time to simmer a little bit? Why do we always have to have like tons of people on top of other tons of people? doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I had a few good, uh, (laughs) there's yet another one of these women. Uh, Let me do this one first. The Dallas Cowboys quarterback, uh, Dak Prescott. Oh, boy, he's in trouble now, I think. He told reporters he did not like this whole protesting during the anthem thing. And he says it's fucking taking away the joy for him to play in the game. And this is in response to the Dallas Cowboys' new policy that would mandate standing during the national anthem. And Dak Prescott, quarterback, said uh, he wasn't a fan of it. Let's hear what Dak uh, sounds like here. Here we go. 
I never protest. I never protest during the anthem, and I don't think that's the time or the venue to do so. Uh, the game of football has always brought me such a peace, and I think it does the same for a lot of people. A lot of people playing the game, a lot of people watching the game, a lot of people that have any impact of the game. So when you bring such a controversy uh, to the to the stadium, to the field, to the game, uh, it takes away. It takes away from that. It takes away from the joy and to the, the love that football brings a lot of people. I'm, up for taking a next step that whatever that step may be uh for action and not just kneeling oh see now he's now he's labeled himself though now he's going to be fucking castigated out of the community you know i get a feeling a lot of these guys are sick of this shit but now there's such a pressure to be woke and to go along with the protest because that's like the cool thing to do you know from the community I, I'm, I'm sure tons because remember most players never kneeled you know, most players are there. They want to fucking get paid. They want to play the game. They enjoy playing football, even though they get paid a lot of money. You get into it. You don't You don't make the NFL just because of the money. You make the NFL. You love doing it, and you're really good at it. And I think a lot of these guys, deep down, they probably never admit it publicly, but they just want fucking Colin Kaepernick and the rest of these fucking SJWs to are ruining football. They just want to get the fuck out of there, and they just want to go play. That's it. And they won't say it out loud, though. I know, I get it. It's intimidating. Uh, what else? I have I have a bunch of other audio, but I don't know if I have time to play it. Uh, well, let's get this one in here. Protesters interrupted a Bill Clinton speech and demanded decriminalization of sex workers worldwide. Imagine this is what you do with your life. You're, you're following Bill Clinton around screaming about sex workers? Really? Oh. I, I don't know, where do you get the, I don't know, how do you even get motivated to do that? All right, so Bill Clinton's standing up here. Let me set this up. He's standing up there, and you're going to hear people start whistling and chanting. Here we go. He's just standing there. So he's giving the closing speech at the International AIDS Conference in, in Amsterdam. And apparently, in, to address this, they decide to give the microphone over to one of these fucking nut jobs and let her actually talk. Let me see if we can hear this. He's just, he's just standing there. Okay, so first of all, he does not have the power to do this. Wow, I can't believe what people get worked up about. Now they're getting worked up over the sex workers. Jesus. Um, a dead baby was found in a plane toilet. Yeah, on an Air Asia India flight, it landed in New Delhi. And they think what happened was a mother on board basically uh, had the kid on the plane and then just put the baby right in the garbage. Fucking like it like it's nothing. That's very sad. I don't know how much more we can go on this. Uh what else? Uh, ICE, speaking of ICE, we referred to them earlier. They have more than tripled their workplace raids, which is great. 
They made more than five times the immigration arrests compared to what they did in 2017. You know what? None of this shit's going to stop until you start taking the fucking guys who own the companies out in handcuffs. That's what you have to do. Perp walk them. Show what fucking happened, you guys. I'm all about it. People have been saying for years the illegal immigration activists, and this is something I agree with them on. They're like, don't blame the immigrant. Blame the people who hire them. I'm like, well, we can blame both, <laughs> you know. But yes, there is no incentive for an employer now to cooperate with ICE because it's cheaper for him to hire illegal immigrants. So until you start fucking taking them out and perp walking them in handcuffs and giving them like real jail time, this shit is just going to continue. Uh, man, I'm, we're coming down to it, you guys. So I'm just going to kind of go to the end here with a few last ones. Uh, 13 men were arrested for masturbating inside the Pleasure Emporium in Hollywood, police said. <laughs> I'm looking at a picture of this place. It's like a, it's like a low one-story building with no windows. So I think you kind of get the idea of what's going on in there. And the name is the Pleasure Emporium. So, an anonymous complaint was received by police concerning lewd behavior in, occurring inside the Pleasure Emporium in Los Angeles. Holly, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Hollywood, Florida, not Hollywood, California. So, two undercover detectives went into the business on Wednesday and purchased tickets to enter the adult video rooms section for $25. Dude. <laughs> you know, they have the internet now, guys. You don't need to go to the Pleasure Emporium. You can go on the internet and download all kinds of porno videos for virtually any kink for free. Not $25. Obviously, the men are not there just to watch videos, clearly. Now, so these two cops walk in there, and as they walk into the stall, they witnessed two men. One of them was named Jose Rodriguez, 50 years old, and the other guy was named Gerson Vergara Araque, 34 years old. And the two cops witnessed these two masturbating before the men took turns performing oral sex on one another. And further, they found a bunch of other guys sitting there jacking off to porn videos. One guy, <laughs> wow, they have, this is great. They have a list of 13 guys with their names and ages. And I just automatically go to the oldest guy, Hugh Tarpley. 70 years old. And he's at the Pleasure Emporium fucking jacking off. <laughs> and the cops nabbed him. Uh, uh, no. No. A former teacher was found guilty of touching the genitals of two of his students in 2016. This was in York County. And 44-year-old Kevin Nagel was convicted Friday on two counts each of institutional sexual assault. He managed the school store. This was the York County School of Technology. And he managed the school store, and he touched two 17-year-old victims under the appearance of measuring them for pants. So... Nagel asked one victim if he could pull down his pants to get a, measure, a better measurement with Taylor's tape. And 
he went ahead and touched his genitals. And then the second one occurred after Nagel told this victim that he wanted to talk to him about his pants that weren't fitting correctly. Okay, kids, Uncle BK here. Red flag, okay? Here's your red flag. If a fucking grown man ever comes up to you and wants to talk to you about your pants not fitting correctly, run screaming in the opposite direction. Please. I, this is really a public service announcement. This Every podcast is a public service announcement that I do now, I feel. Really? You know? Because this this advice will help you for the rest of your life. Anyway, the victim told police that Nagel then pulled his pants below his knees and then touched his genital areas while measuring him. The next day, Nagel bought the victim boxers and pants, which he made the victim try on. Nagel then showed him how to tuck his scrotum and penis properly, using his hands to do so. (laughs) And finally, let's go to the big finish here. Here we go. A London, Ontario bus driver was, will be sentenced in the fall after pleading guilty to child pornography charges last month. Well, what did he do? He was feeding children semen-laced treats. Yes, you heard that correctly. This bus driver was making cookies and such, lacing the cookies with his semen, giving them to children, and used his cell phone to film them eating the semen-infused cookies. After acquiring the videos of the children eating them, the man would then upload the videos to a child pornography message board on the dark web. Uh, Now, they're not naming him. He was only 30, 30 years old. And they're not naming him, they say, because of a publication ban put in place to protect the identity of the children he abused. After being arrested last year, he was initially charged with 78 counts of voyeurism in possessing, distributing, or creating child pornography, but pled down to 23 charges of uh, last month. All of the 39 children abused by the bus driver had to be checked for sexually transmitted diseases. Ugh. Now... A Royal Canadian Mounted Police detective initially discovered the man's videos on a site called Magic Kingdom. The videos showed the man masturbate onto food, then feed the food to children on a bus and have conversations with them about it. Some of the videos showed the man masturbating on the bus while children were present. Oh my god, (laughs) Using the videos, the cops were able to realize they were shot in London, Ontario, and then working with local police, they used local landmarks to discover who drove the route. The bus driver was soon arrested. Oh, he attempted to get cops to kill him during the arrest, but he was taken alive. Oh, fucking pussy Canadian police. Come on. If he wants to die, if he waves a gun, just fucking put two in his head and be done with it. Cops did discover 800 images or files of child exploitive videos, and almost 200 of those 800 files were created by the man on the bus. Dude, where, where, to, where to even fucking begin with this guy? Oh, and this is great, too. So they're sentencing this guy, right? So they're calling an expert on child sexual predators, and this expert 
said that the bus driver's pedophile tendencies could not be cured, but could be managed, and he was at a moderate risk to reoffend. He's fucking done for life. You know, that's his thing. How you can't cure that? That's his thing. You know what that and that happened in LA not too long ago in Los Angeles. There was a teacher, an LA Unified County teacher. He was doing almost this exact same thing. I don't think the children had any idea what they were eating, but he would blindfold kids and he would jack off on shit and make the kids eat them. And he was caught because he was using like a film camera and he was taking the film to like one of those old timey like film development places. And somebody who fucking wasn't completely brain dead saw these pictures and called the cops. And that's how that that was a big story. And uh, for what it's worth, the prosecutor is recommending that the man receive a five-year prison sentence that's it he should be fucking executed that's it you guys executions execute fucking everyone that's i've had it i've had it with it that's gonna do it guys that's two and a half hours for me and i'm all done it's time for me to get out of here and go enjoy the beautiful san diego sunshine go ahead and follow me please at bk actual and i have to tell you guys i will probably tweet this out later in the week just showing you the graph of how the podcast has grown in the last five months this is going to be another record-setting month blew out last month by 10 percent plus it's just uh crazy i mean i'd i'd, I'd kind of like to fucking quit doing this shit but i feel as long as people keep listening i gotta keep going so that's what i'm gonna try to do i'm gonna try to keep going and uh that's gonna do it man thanks for everyone for listening see you next time